Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. Hosted by infertility sleuth, Millie Brooks. That's me. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's November 2020. COVID is still a thing. We have a new president here in the States. And this is episode 57 of season three. And honestly, I'm as shocked as you are. How long will I go? How many more episodes will be released? Well, the plan is to wrap things up at the end of February 2021 and take a four-month break before launching season four in probably June or July of 2021. You know, I like to keep you guys abreast of what's to come, so that's the game plan as of now. Today, we have Jess Vite on the air to share her journey to parenthood. Jess is on Instagram under the handle at mamainthemaking21.22, and she has a remarkable story, you guys. Um, Part of it entails numerous failed frozen embryo transfers, which is what we are going to focus our conversation on today. Her story is so inspiring and will leave you with so much hope. So stay tuned. If you haven't followed me, myself, and Millie on Instagram, hop on it and connect with us there. The handle is at me, myself, Millie, and I give regular podcast updates on my feed and stories, as well as more glimpses into my own personal journey to parenthood. So find me on there and stay in the know. Jess, welcome to the show. It's such a treat to have you on the air. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. How are you doing? Um, how how are you living in COVID times right now? It is kind of crazy. Um, I keep telling myself, though, that it's like a blessing because I'm able to work from home in sweats. <laughs> and not have to like squeeze myself into maternity jeans right now. So that is kind of nice. It's crazy though, you know, being pregnant during a pandemic is a little insane. (laughs) It's so insane. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's nice because like the distance is there, you know, people aren't up in your face about it. Yes. That has been nice. (laughs) Because the few times I have gone in public, I've gotten remarks like, oh, you're only six months? Like, you know, so they're commenting on my belly size and saying that it's smaller. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad that I'm like not around people right now. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, shoot, you know, and everybody's belly size, it's all different. We're all different body shapes and types. And (laughs) yes. 
Oh, wow. So true. So yeah. true. Well, let's start off with you telling folks a little bit about who you are, where you live, and what you do. Yeah. So I like to call myself a Colorado native, but I was originally born in California. Um, my parents moved us out here when I was, gosh, like four or five. So it was super young. Okay. I just got to stop you right there because yeah. so many, I know two friends right now that just moved from California to Colorado. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a, it's a very um, common, it's a common transition. Yeah. Yes. Or move. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then with the fires, they're like, we got to get the hell out of Dodge right now. Yes, for real. But now Colorado, I mean, it's better now, but Colorado was on fire like a couple Ugh. weeks ago. It was insane. Crazy. But, um, yeah. Very yeah, crazy. Okay. So you, you moved to Colorado when you were how old? I was like five. So I was a baby. Um, my parents moved us out here and been here ever since. Um, met my husband in 2008 at a concert at Red Rocks. Um, have you been to Colorado? A couple times to Steamboat. Okay. So Red Rocks Amphitheater is um, like a very popular place for concerts and live music and films. And so I used to go there every year, multiple times a year for all these shows. And uh, I ended up meeting my husband there. So that was kind of cool. Like you guys, what kind of concert was it? It was actually um, Blues Traveler plays on 4th of July every year. I love Blues Traveler. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) So yeah, we met literally like um, before Red Rocks got all strict, you used to be able to like hike the back of the hill and we'd all sit back there and drink and smoke and party and hang out. And he was there and he, I had, had this, uh, chair that was like falling apart and I'm trying to sit it on the side of a hill and he comes over and like fixes it for me and we just hit it off. So (laughs) what a, what a lovely little like story there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm still I'm still chewing on Blues Traveler. Like Blues Traveler's such a solid 90s band. Yes, yes. I love them. Yeah. They're so fun. And live too. Oh my gosh. They're amazing. Oof. And it's fun at Red Rocks because you overlook like all of Denver. So you could see all the fireworks everywhere. And it's just beautiful. It's fun. Wow. And so yeah. and you You have a job right now, Mm -hmm. which I know you're trying to pull away from as you enter maternity leave. What do you do? So I work for a health food store. It's called Natural Grocers. Um, It's based out here in Colorado. And I work at their corporate level and I'm their new item specialist. So I get to review um, food and beverages and dairy products and all day long and taste it and try it and Bunch and of make local recommendations products. on what they purchase and yep yeah and then um I present it to like a committee at monthly and then we decide which items we approve or decline and yeah oh that sounds it's like so a great fun. job great <laughs> it's job it's like my dream job I absolutely love it that's and awesome. it's a great company too I've been with them for about nine years now so that's cool yeah 
Well, give us a glimpse into your infertility journey and start with when you and your husband started trying to conceive. So we met in 2008 and then we started trying to conceive in 2012. Um, We did that for about a year and I had been on birth control, gosh, since I can remember, like probably all of us. Um, and about a year passed after being off birth control and nothing happened. So I finally went to just my regular OB in 2013. Um, he did like all the basic baseline tests and nothing was wrong. Of course we were told you're so young. Like it was kind of, it baffled him that we were even there. And how Um, old were you? Gosh, that was, I'm a, 33 right now. So that was, what was I? Oh my gosh, you're going to make me do math. Oh no. It's like (laughs) in my twenties. You know, I'm already bad at math and then you throw a pregnancy brain on top of it. And it's like, (laughs) okay. So you were in your late twenties. I was young. Yeah. Okay. Um, So there we did four um, like timed intercourse cycles with Clomid in trigger shots and all that. And this um, was about after a year of trying naturally? Correct. Got yeah. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we did that. None of those worked. Um, and I had never before this pregnancy actually worked, um, had a positive, like I never had a, nothing. So from there, we stayed with him for about uh, three years, like trying to conceive while doing the Clomid cycles and all that. And then in 2016, we were referred to an RE um, by my OB. And, you know, at that point, we didn't know, we trusted, we didn't do our research. So we just went with it. Um, and we did, let's see, six IUIs with this clinic. And they, Girl. Uh, and they all failed. Oh, girl. Yeah. It was, you know, and going into it, I was like, okay, I'm young. Like, this is our first IUI. Like, I thought for sure right off the bat it would work, but it didn't. At this point, did they have a diagnosis for you at all? So after the six IUIs failed, we were put in that unexplained infertility bracket which so many of us are put in there and I, I can't stand that diagnosis. Oh, it makes me mad. Yeah. It's like the doctors don't know what's wrong. So they just slap that on it. Yeah. So frustrating. It also is like, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like they're, they, they aren't doing enough digging. Like, please just completely continue to investigate this. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes I think they say unexplained and then all the, all the investigation, the investigation stops. Right. Mm -hmm. And they just throw stuff at a wall and hope it sticks. (laughs) Yeah. So frustrating. So. Yes. So we did six IUIs there. Um, and then after that, we stayed with that clinic. And then in 2018, we started IVF. Um, and we had, you know, a great stimulation round. We, uh, 
got 19 eggs and then we didn't test any of the embryos, but eight of them made it to blastocyst. Um, we were advised to wait until like a, a, a next, uh, the following month to do a frozen embryo transfer. So we did our first one, gosh, what was that? Two that like end of 2018, I guess. Yeah. So it was going into the new year and we did one embryo and it failed. And at that point I was like, you know, the first, I thought for sure, like we went through IVF, like <laughs> this is going to work. Right. But yep, but it didn't. So we had seven embryos left at that point. So the next transfer, we did two. And then after that, we did another two. And then we did three on our last transfer with them. So that was a total of four. Four transfers. Okay. And um, wow. And they, so they kept increasing the amount of embryos that they... (laughs) That was like the switch to my protocol. It wasn't changing medication. It was like, let's just throw in more embryos. (laughs) Oh, I never thought about it. How does that that make you feel? Now that I'm pregnant and there's one like little body moving around in me, I'm like, I, I mean, thank the Lord. It was a blessing that those three embryos didn't take because Mm -hmm. I know many women do it. But that's just crazy, you know, for it's just insane. Um, But like I said, like, I mean, twins would have been amazing. But three, like, I tip my hat to any woman who could endure that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. So after each failed transfer, they never switched up the protocol. They didn't. Um, and that was the part that was really frustrating for my husband, Ryan and I, because it was like, well, this isn't working. Like something has to be going on. So the only thing I can say that we did different was an ERA. So we did that between our, our third and fourth transfer. Um, and that came back pre-receptive. So I was like, oh, there's an answer. Like the fourth transfer is going to work. And it didn't. So our, my protocol stayed the same. The medication stayed the same. Like literally everything. Wow. Which was so disheartening because my doctor at the time was very old school. Like the equipment was straight up from like the 70s that oh. they were using. Oh. It was terrible. I, I went to a doctor just like that. And it was like he literally took a computer from do- the set of Doogie Hauser <laughs> and put it in his office. Yes, yes. It was terrifying. Huge, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's how this clinic was. And I was at this point after our third transfer failed, I was doing all my own research. And um, I had started my Instagram account about... Mm, right when we started IVF actually. So 2018 and I started reaching out to women and I was like, what, you know, asking them questions, like, what did you do? And, um, intralipids, I had mentioned this too, cause it's like a newer part of a protocol. I had mentioned this to my doctor and she looked at me like I grew two heads. So it was like oh. every suggestion I had, 
she just wasn't wasn't okay with it. Mm. <laughs> wasn't willing to try anything that she didn't recommend, which was very frustrating. Wow. Wow. So you were being a good student. You were coming to the table with a lot of information and questions and yeah. and it was still met with rolled eyes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like during each one of our WTF appointments, <laughs> we would sit there and I would have my papers and my notes and I would go over everything and it was just, we weren't getting anywhere. Um, so when we went into our fourth transfer, I told my husband, I was like, I know, like, I, I feel bad for saying this, but I was like, I know this isn't going to work, but I want my embryos back. I don't want them just stored there while we, cause we already knew we were going to go to a new clinic. So the fourth transfer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how most clinics are in other States, but here in Colorado, or at least the ones we were dealing with wouldn't take transferred embryos like from one clinic to the other. And maybe it was just the new clinic we were going to where we did find success. As soon as I mentioned where we were coming from, they were like, sorry, we, we won't touch them. So (gasps) who knows? Yeah. I have heard that actually, now that you bring that up, I have heard that, um, that some clinics will just not want to deal with it. You yeah. know, it it seems like, I don't know, some sort of, you know, project that somebody else created that they don't want to get yeah. their hands on. Right, exactly. So, you know, when we went into that fourth transfer, I was like, okay, you know, I just want them back. I want to get, you know, that my body can absorb them and get rid of them if that's what's going to happen. I don't want them sitting in this clinic, I don't trust. Um, so that's kind of the mindset I had when we went into it. So when it didn't work, I don't even know if I cried, which was sad Mm. because it was like, I was so just, I was like a robot at that point. You know, I was just so hurt and I felt betrayed and yeah, it was a, a rough time. And you're so conditioned to hearing bad news at that yes. point. Yes. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, th- this is this is this is normal. Normal. Yeah. Right. So um after that we found a new clinic, which we started in May of last year. Um, and we did a bunch of research before switching clinics found an incredible one here in Colorado. Um, It's Conceptions. If anybody is out here and needs a new clinic, um, they're absolutely amazing. Like as soon as we went there, we were treated like family. It was just, it was a breath of fresh air, you know, from how we were treated before. But uh, so we started our fresh new round with them. Um, right off the bat, the doctor figured out I had thyroid issues. So my thyroid was like triple what it should be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was one thing right there. Like my last RE never caught. So I started on thyroid medication and he wanted to get that, you know, at a certain level before even considering a transfer retrieval or anything. Um, so we did that in May. And 
And after your fourth transfer, how many embryos did you have left after that? At, at the last clinic? Yeah. None. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We went through all eight of them. Yep. So. Got it. Um, yeah. So we started our, a new retrieval with them. And again, I responded really great to the medication, but my protocol was totally different. Um, wow. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Like mm-hmm. how same patient, completely different protocol Yeah. at a uh-huh. different clinic. Yep. It was totally different. And my doctor actually had me on like a bunch of supplements and antioxidants, like before we even did the, uh, um, retrieval too. So he was like prepping me, you know, cause his whole thing was quality over quantity. Um, so we got 19 eggs and then six 19 of them. 19 eggs again. Yes. Yeah. Same number, which was bizarre. Wow. Wow. And six of them made it to blastocysts. And then this time around, we did do PGS testing and five came back normal. So, yeah. So we had our first transfer January 27th and it, it took, (laughs) but I, I just remember the clinic calling me and it was a really bad snowstorm here in Colorado. So I had spotted that morning and I had told my husband, I was like, I don't want to go in for a beta. Like it's negative. Like I'm spotting, like it's not (laughs) going to be what we want to hear. And he literally had to like drag me out of the house, put me in the car, drive me to the clinic, walk me in there. I got my blood drawn, crying the whole time. Like I was a mess and got home. And then he ended up going to get stuff to make biscuits and gravy because that's what I was craving. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's a good husband move. Yeah. And I got the call while he was gone and my heart just like it sunk. Um, but I answered it and I had heard the nurse say, I'm sorry, it's negative. And I just started crying and I was like, okay, well, what's our next steps? And she was like, Jess, you're pregnant. I was like, what? Oh my God. You didn't even hear her. <laughs> no. Right. Right. I heard, I heard her say negative. And she was like, no, Jessica, you're pregnant. And she was like, your beta is this. And I, it was like in the four hundreds at that point. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was just so confused. And I was like, can you call my husband and tell him what you just told me? And I hung <laughs> up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I he just needs like to hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and then he just like dropped everything in the store and rushed home. And he was like just in in shock too. You know, we had just it, it, in disbelief and kind of wow. still are. <laughs> and so you transferred I'm assuming your strongest PGS tested embryo. Correct. So we didn't um, pick the embryo, the sex, the n- nothing. We just had the uh, embryologist pick whichever was the best looking one. So ours, it was a 5BB plus. So and my doctor, he was like, don't read into the numbers. He oh, was like, gosh. Because I know it's easy to do. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't an AA, like this isn't going to work. So, yep. 
Yeah. Yep. And that that grading system is so unpredictable and not I don't know. It it's it confusing. Seems, too. It's confusing and it also changes. It does. Uh-huh. Cuz so, and I feel like every clinic does like they're grading a little bit differently too. So Yep. Who knows? Like some labs are really strict and like super conservative with their grading right. system. And then right. o- others are a little bit more liberal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So crazy. And in between all of this, so we had started with our clinic in May, did the retrieval in September and didn't do a transfer until January. But that was because we did so many tests. Like he tested everything on me <laughs> before we can move forward, which I'm glad because I was not ready to do another transfer. Even in January, I wasn't ready. I was like, I'm terrified. Like, I don't want to go through this again. And then the day of the transfer, it was like, it's all good. Like everything's perfect. And I was just, I felt grounded and yeah, it was kind of magical. So and um, talk talk about the tests that he put you through before that fifth yeah. transfer. So we did an HSG. It, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. A hysteroscopy, um, a TET, which was to like measure something with my uterine circulation, I guess, like the blood flow. Um, what else did we do? Another ERA. And that was about it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And um, that must have felt really good that he was trying to check off all these boxes before he put you through another transfer. Absolutely. Yeah. And his biggest thing was he was like, I will not transfer until you trust me. Like, and that was I didn't trust anybody right at first, you know, and after he went through all of these hoops with us and he was just so patient, um, by the end of it, I was like, okay, you know, he knows what he's doing. He, he's trying to check all the check boxes before we move forward. And yeah, that's great. That's great. And, um, so you're 37 weeks right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, what, I mean, talk to us a little bit about like having had gone through all of those failed transfers now entering pregnancy, um, how did you cope with, with trying to move through pregnancy in a serene way? Um, you know, it was really hard at first, but I think just knowing, like, I just knew that wasn't the end for us. And just knowing someday, whether it was through surrogacy or adoption or another IVF round, like, we were going to be parents eventually. Um, so I think just keeping that in the forefront was the only thing that kept me going. And obviously my husband's support, like he was just, he never not once was like, I'm done. Like he left that up to me to say. And I even told him, I was like, if this transfer didn't work, 
I was, I, I had to be done. Like, you know, I wanted to find a surrogacy like, or a surrogate. I didn't want to keep, I felt like I was wasting embryos. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So, and we, I mean, we just worked our butt off too to like be able to afford a second round of IVF because it's fertility coverage didn't happen out here, didn't pass until January of this year. So it was like we got pregnant and then now there's fertility coverage out here in Colorado, which is incredible. Wow. That's incredible. All Mm -hmm. employers must must offer that? Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, amazing for all those couples out there and women and anybody starting their families because that's a huge stressor. I mean, just seeing all your hard earned money just go away. I know. I I call it fertility gambling. Seriously. You're just taking a bunch of money and you graduate from the slots to the blackjack table. (laughs) And then you go and maybe bet on a few horse races. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, if you want to win big, you got to play big. You know, like that's what I relate it to. Yeah, totally. So did your diagnosis change um, by the time you got pregnant? So when we went to our second clinic, it went from unexplained to unexplained plus reoccurrent implantation failure, pretty much just saying the same thing. Like, and he would, and my doctor even told me, he was like, I hate to put unexplained on people, but he was like, I'm not finding anything wrong except your thyroid. Um, and who knows the quality of those embryos from our previous clinic. So that was really it, you know? Do you wish, um, you had done PGS testing that first round? I do. Yeah. Um, if anybody reaches out to me and they ask that question, I say, if you can't afford it, do it. Because for us, it was just another layer of reassurance, but you know, you could always transfer a perfectly good quality embryo and it not work too. So, but for me, it was, it was more peace of mind. Like I was willing to pay an extra couple grand for that, you know? Yeah. That I'm in the same boat. I completely agree with you. I yeah. I was um I knew that the miscarriage stats were lower with PGS tested embryos. I knew it could still happen, but I knew that the statistics were lower. And so I was like, of course I want to do this. I I right. don't I don't there in my in my head there was no question because i i knew i i know myself and i knew i couldn't handle numerous losses you yeah. know mm-hmm. that would be very hard for me yeah um how did you find the strength to keep going um really kind of just going back to before like just knowing we this wasn't the end of the road for us. Like, I just remember in school, like when they would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I always wanted to be what my mom was. Like she had, she raised five of us. 
that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a mom. So I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't give up on it. Um, and that was really the only thing that kept me going. And then yes, Ryan, my husband, um, is just a huge supporter. My whole family, like, I mean, they just helped out emotionally, financially, whenever they could. And so we had a really good tribe and support that's system. Great. I yeah. think that's key. I think that's, you really have to get your spiritual army around you, yes. you know? Because yes. when we were going through our six, when we went through the six failed IUIs, we weren't, I mean, my sister and my mom and my dad knew that was really about it. Like we weren't vocal and I didn't talk about it. And it was just, I wasn't ready to, you know, like everybody opens up about their journey when they're ready. But now that I opened up about it, when we started IVF, it's like, gosh, the support from this community was like, that's what gave me a lot of strength too. It's powerful. It is. I mean, just these women that I've never even met in person, just the connection that we have. It's like, so amazing. It's very deep and it, yes. it feels very, I mean, it does feel kind of spiritual in a way, you know, there's just does, such, yeah. like the trauma, the PTSD, the anxiety, nobody else really gets it. It's hard nope. to relate it to anything else. Yes. And these women in our community get it. Like you don't even have to explain it. <laughs> they just yep. get it. Anything you wish you knew before you started this journey seven years ago? Um, I wish I would have taken more time to do our homework and research to find a better clinic. Um, that and giving myself grace. Like I thought for years that it, the reason it was failing was because of something I was doing or something from my past. Like maybe God really doesn't want me to have a child because I used to be addicted to pain pills. You know, like maybe that is why I can't conceive. So I oh, kept, I thought it was because I smoked for years. Yes, like, I, I was thought like, that too. You know, I was like, oh, this is my punishment. Yes. Uh huh. You know. Yes. Yes. And. Or this is another really twisted thought, but I was like, maybe me and Ryan aren't meant to be together. And I know other women have felt that about their husbands and that is just ridiculous. So, um, I think the biggest thing for me is never letting those feelings. If any other woman out there is experiencing those, it's not your fault. Nothing you have done in your past is why you're not conceiving right now. It's, it's a gamble, like you said. Yeah. And I've in fertility treatment is not guaranteed. Like even though we finally found success, we could still be climbing that mountain right now. So I think finding a clinic and finding a doctor that you trust, oof, it's, yes. it's up there with Huge. like yeah, it's it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. And also, if you're paying out of pocket for it, I think it's even more important, you know? I agree. Because that is a big chunk of money. You yes. don't want to be just giving that to anybody, any old, you know, I don't know, 
normal Joe on the street who right. says he has a medical de- a medical degree. Exactly. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. I um, agree. What makes your blood boil about infertility? Um, I think the number one thing is when a doctor says you're so young. <laughs> you're so young. This is going to work. The first try, because I've had that happen to us twice. So that's the number one thing. Um, And then just when random Karens like will comment on (laughs) posts and (laughs) gosh, Karens, I'm sorry if anybody is named Karen out there (laughs) because I'm sure you're really sweet, but (laughs) Yes, ran- the random Karens when they having comment- a lot to say. Yes, I'm like when they comment on like for instance I had posted this picture with all of our medication which was a like a photo that was near and dear to my heart cuz it was our journey like in a medica- in a photo. Um and somebody had posted, "Well, if you had to go through that much medical intervention, maybe God didn't want you to have a kid." that's not natural. That is so far from natural. Like people who haven't walked in our shoes, they have no idea. Like this is infertility is a disease. It's not like we're wanting to inject ourselves with medication on a daily basis. Like this is a disease and we need help and medical intervention to conceive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that really makes my blood boil is when people comment who have absolutely no idea what it feels yep. like to go through this journey. It And I've said this before, you know, um, to people that come on the show, but I would never dare go up to a cancer patient and tell them, well, this seems like you probably are at the end of the road, you know? Thank you. Yes. It's like, the same thing. Or telling a diabetic he doesn't need his insulin. Like, yeah. they need that to survive. <laughs> yeah. And it, it yeah. just feels like so, like, stay in your lane. Yes. You know? Stay in Absolutely. your hula hoop. Yep. Um, if someone is listening to this and has had repeated f- failed transfers, What do you want to say to them? Any advice? Again, don't blame yourself and don't think it is anything that you have done during your two-week way or past. Like it is nothing. The reason why it failed was not because of you. You're not broken. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, that was the main thing for me is surrendering to that thought of this is not working because I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be able to conceive like every other woman, but getting that thought out of my head was the biggest challenge, but the biggest win for me. And how did you, how did you do that? How were you able to eradicate those negative thoughts? Um, a lot of self-care, a lot of 
you know, I had a really rough relationship with my God for a while. And um, now we're on good terms, but it took me a while to get back to that relationship. Um, yeah, I just, I don't even know how to answer that. It just, it takes so much willpower and so much time. This infertility isn't just a journey to get pregnant. It is like a self-discovery journey totally. as well. You know, like, Oh, I love that. Say it one more time. Cause I'm going to use that as a sound bite <laughs> for this episode. Say it one more You're time. You're really testing my pregnancy brain. <laughs> um, so infertility is not just, Oh, what did I say? Not just a journey. Oh. It's a self-discovery too. Yes. You know, it's before I started this, I was not the same woman I am today. I mean, today I feel empowered and like I can do this and things that would have festered in me years ago. I just, I don't give a shit anymore, you know, cause yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really does give you a different perspective. It does. On what's important. A, yeah. And about a marriage too. Like my, I know infertility in this journey is so hard. And I have seen many couples go separate ways after this because it, it takes a toll on you. Um, but for Ryan and I, thankfully, it brought us together. Like in our relationship wouldn't be what it is today. I don't think if we hadn't had to go through this together. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, give us a small window into your pregnancy so far. You are 37 weeks yep. and how is it going? It's going really good. Um, first trimester, I was just, you know, full of nerves and disbelief and, um, it has been a, an easy pregnancy as far as we're, we've just been very blessed. Like we haven't had any complications and, no major, you know, scares and bleeds. And so I'm very thankful for that. Um, second trimester was amazing. Um, I felt great going into the third. Now it's like, okay, now I know what women are talking about when they're like, get this baby out. <laughs> Even though I love, I love everything about being pregnant. Like this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Like my moods are stable, which is Maybe Ryan, my husband, wouldn't agree with that statement, but <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good. Like I feel great, um, even though I'm like getting to be really uncomfortable. And I'm like, even right now, I have like heartburn and indigestion, and I'm trying not to burp right now. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> even if you wanted to, bur I've definitely burped on the okay. air. So like, burping is, I can feel it. <laughs> burping is welcome and appreciated okay, good. and loved. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, like when we hit 20 weeks, that's when it kind of, started to sink in that, Oh, we're actually pregnant. Like there's a little baby in there. And I think that was because he started moving and I could feel him. Um, whereas he moves all the time now and he's like kicking me in my ribs and it's like, it hurts, but I love it so much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy journey and, and infertility or pregnancy after infertility 
it's like, you know, I had always thought, okay, once we get pregnant, then we're, we're good. We're golden. But that's infertility is just one chapter. And then you go into pregnancy and that's a whole other journey that you have to learn. And it's like a whole new world and then motherhood and postpartum and, you know, it just keeps evolving and keeps going, but it's a good journey to be on. <laughs> oh, and you make it look good. You do. Oh, you do. Thank you, thank you, you so do. much. You are radiant and the joy is it surrounds you. Oh, I love you, Millie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you this is a question that's been coming up a lot on my Instagram feed. Um, because you transferred a PGS tested embryo, did that change your prenatal testing at all? Um, you know, it, it actually didn't like they still, when we, when we graduated from our clinic and we went to our regular OB, they still had us do the genetic testing. And I was like, well, but this is a PGS tested normal embryo. And they were like, well, it's a part of our protocol that we still do the testing. And I was like, okay, well, I guess if it's covered by insurance, we might as well do it. And it was so, and it came back normal in a boy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, yeah. um, it, it's covered in California, uh-huh. um, to get the non-invasive prenatal prenatal testing and screening done. Yeah. Um in our first and second trimester, so we we just did it yeah, like Wow, yeah. Yeah. Um And when I asked my doctor about amnio or CVS, that's when she said, "Nope, I wouldn't recommend that for you." And ours said the same thing. Yep. So Every, different people, different strokes for all the folks, but that's yeah. what you and I did. Right, right. Yep. Um, well, how can people follow you in your journey and keep in touch and see your little sunshine? Yeah. So I'm at Mama in the Making 2122 um, on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Jess, thanks so much for joining us today. This has Thank been you. wonderful. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having this available too. Like you're giving so many women a voice and it's Aww. just, it's amazing. Cause it's one thing, you know, to just talk about it, you know, in our stories or on a post, but to be able to connect and speak to people and especially through this podcast, it's, it's an honor. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That yeah. means a lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week.